Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. The Artur Sports Podcast presented. By Betfred Sportsbook, it is Wednesday, January 4th, 2022, people. And we have a little bit of a different episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast today. Okay, so later in the show, we are going to get to all of the things that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh, NFL rumors, reports, innuendo, whatever. A lot of them out there. We'll talk college hoops. A lot has happened since I last talked college hoops on this show Purdue lost on Monday night. UConn lost on Saturday. Kentucky LSU played on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena. So there is a lot to discuss, and we will get to all of it. But we are going to start with the topic of the day, not only on today's show, but in all of sports, anywhere you turn, in news, in society. And it is the DeMar Hamlin news. We'll do 8, 10, 12 minutes on DeMar Hamlin. I just want to share a couple thoughts, okay? This isn't going to be hot take. This isn't going to be Torres comes in strong. Just want to share a few quick thoughts on DeMar Hamlin. Then I promise it'll get much lighter. We'll have fun. We'll do our normal Aaron Torres podcast thing. But with that said, I do have to start with DeMar Hamlin. The single biggest story, not only in sports, but I believe, frankly, in all of society right now, Uh, And by now, everybody knows kind of the details, right? Uh, Defensive back, Buffalo Bills. Bills are playing the Bengals on Monday night football. And of course, he collapses in the middle of the game. We didn't have very many details at the time. As time goes on, we find out that it's cardiac arrest. And as I record here late on Tuesday night into Wednesday, DeMar Hamlin still in a hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so what I want to do now is, again, just share a couple thoughts that I have. I promise this is going to be hot take, yell and scream. That's not what today is about. It's not placing blame and pointing fingers. It's just sharing a couple thoughts. And my first thought is it's surreal because this was obviously a game that I was supposed to be at, right? Um, If you listen to this show with any sort of regularity, you know that the presenting sponsor of this show is an incredible company called Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred is the betting partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. And because of it, I was supposed to be at Bengals Bills this weekend. Of course, because Southwest had a meltdown, I was unable to travel. 
I stayed back in LA and clearly did not attend this game. As a matter of fact, because I was unable to travel to this game, I was actually at the Rose Bowl on Monday afternoon, Penn State, Utah. I was on the shuttle from the stadium back to downtown Pasadena when I first saw and heard about this news. And what was crazy was, uh, listen, it was it was a fun day at the Rose Bowl. Had a great time. By the way, we won't be talking Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl. I don't think there's any mega takeaways that we have to have from those games. But it's crazy because I was on the shuttle back, knowing Bengals-Bills was going on, excited to get home to watch the football. And a guy on the shuttle next to me says, hey, you guys know what's going on in this Bengals-Bills game right now? And I was kind of tired, been, had been at the stadium all day, you know, whatever. And I kind of said, yeah, I think the Bengals are up 7-3, whatever. And he says, no, 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 no. He said, there, there, there was something that happened. You know, my, my wife just texted me. Somebody collapsed on the field. The game is being postponed, whatever. And of course, my natural reaction is to do what anybody would do in a time like this, whether you cover sports, you love sports, or you're just interested in the story. It was to go to social media, to go to my phone and find out as much information. And so this was just a couple minutes after the incident happened. Uh, I found video, unfortunately, pretty easily. And I will say, point blank, end of story. I'm not a doctor, but when I saw the video, what immediately struck me was something pretty simple. And I say this all the time is that as you get older in life, um, history starts to repeat itself. You start to see things that you've seen before. And so while a lot of people were saying I've, this DeMar Hamlin thing is unprecedented, my immediate thought went, unfortunately, and it's, it's sort of fortunate because he's still playing, but it went to Keontae Johnson the basketball player at Florida a few years ago, running up the court, no contact, obviously had his situation where he collapsed. And of course, for people who are historians of sports in general, Hank gathers a very similar situation. And so right away, I assumed it was a heart thing. I didn't think it was a head issue. Uh, I was proven correct. And now we just hope that the great doctors in the city of Cincinnati can do everything they can to get this guy back, you know, off of all the machines and tubes. And I'm not smart enough to know exactly what they're doing for him right now. But obviously the thought isn't about football. It's just about hoping that this guy can get off the tubes, live a happy, healthy, and productive life, even if he never steps on the gridiron again. In terms of other thoughts, um, I want to give some people credit. First off, I want to give credit to all of the EMTs, and medical professionals that were at Paycor Stadium on Monday night in Cincinnati. Um, I know they're highly paid professionals. I know that's what they're there to do. But they acted quickly. They acted decisively. And it's not cliche to say that they saved this guy's life. I know we can sit there and say that this is what they're trained to do. There's no training for thousands of people in a stadium staring at your every move. Millions watching on TV grown men, 35, you know, 300 pounds, 35 years old, crying inches from you. That was the pressure that these EMTs and these medical professionals handled. And I thought they did it with incredible care. Um, and it's not cliche to say that they saved his life, right? We, we, we use the cliche, oh, my life got saved that day, or this happened, or this guy or girl saved my life. It isn't cliche to say that those young men and women working in that ambulance at that stadium may have very well saved DeMar Hamlin's life. Beyond that, I want to give credit to somebody that, no, an entity that no one else will give credit to today, okay? I'm not in the rush to blame on everything game. 
And I want to give credit to the National Football League. Now, whether now the, the reports are that the players remember initially there was talk of a five, 10, 15 minute delay, and then they would resume the game. And the reports are that that Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, the head coaches spoke with their players and their players basically said they refused to go out. So whether the players made the decision, whether the coaches made the decision, ultimately the decision was made by the NFL to postpone this game and frankly cancel this game because as I record, there is no, it doesn't appear as though it's going to get made up. And I just want to give the NFL credit. I know it's easy to crush the shield. I know it's easy to crush Roger Goodell. I know it's easy to see, um, you know, an entity that we all think is only about money and the bottom line and this and that. I'm not going to do that today for one very simple reason. There was no blueprint for what happened on Monday night. I hate to be crass. I hate to be blunt. This wasn't a concussion. This wasn't a broken arm. This wasn't a broken shoulder blade. This wasn't a torn ACL. This is unprecedented. It had never happened before. And so I think the NFL made the smart decision. In the immediate moment, they paused things. And when they realized that their players weren't mentally prepared, that the fans couldn't watch it, that the announcers on TV couldn't pretend as though what we saw with DeMar Hamlin didn't happen, I think the NFL made a smart decision to say, you know what, let's just push this thing back. There are things that are bigger than football. I'm not here to criticize the NFL. I'm not a big, if it takes too long to make the right decision, if the right decision gets made, let's just focus on that. So credit to the NFL for making what was the right decision. I mentioned the broadcasters a minute ago. I was amazed by the poise and calm of everyone involved in the TV production. And I, I, this isn't about me. I'm not going to make it about me. But I can tell you, I, I have been on live radio, live TV, when something unprecedented, unplanned happens, and there's no way to prepare for it, and there's no right thing to say. I'm not going to get into too many sad, gory details, but I've been on air when people have unexpectedly died. You just don't know what to say. There's no right thing to say. And that was what struck me about ESPN's coverage on Monday night. There is, again, no manual for what happens in a moment like this. And I think what's especially tough, you have to keep talking because we as all consumers want something, even if there is no real update to have. Scott Van Pelt, let's start with him. There's no rundown that you can put together. Hey, we're going to throw to this guy for this perspective, that guy for that perspective, this girl for that perspective. The bottom line is he had to, on the fly, for hours, figure out creative ways to engage his on-air talent to get you guys and girls, and myself certainly included as a consumer, the best information that he possibly could. I thought he did a phenomenal job. And that goes right on down to everybody involved. Goes to Ryan Clark, who had the impossible task of trying to put it in perspective as an NFL player, despite not knowing what the injury or incident was in real time. We didn't know until later it was cardiac arrest. Uh, credit to Troy Buck, Troy Hickman, and Joe Buck and Lisa Salters that were on the scene. Coley Harvey, the, the, the reporter who I used to know a little bit. I don't really know him, but he was on the scene in Cincinnati couldn't get much more information than we all had, but was a great reporter in that moment, um, getting us any information that we could have. So credit to everybody at ESPN, the behind-the-scenes people. Again, there's no precedent 
for what they were asked to do. And I give them a ton of credit. And finally, what I want to say is this credit to those of you to credit to all of you for the human resolve that you showed credit to the Cincinnati Bengals fans that poured out of the stadium and went straight to the hospital, knowing they're not getting access to this guy, knowing they can't see them, but knowing that this is bigger than football. This isn't about a win, a loss, the number one seed, the playoffs. It's about a human being. It's about his life. And I give credit to those Bengals fans that showed up. And I, of course, give credit to you guys and girls, okay? I think by now everybody knows the story. But obviously this young man, um, and it speaks to his character as well, DeMar Hamlin. Um, this young man set up a, a GoFundMe, what, two years ago, 2020, um, when he got to the league to help raise money for toys for kids, right? And I think the story is the goal was to raise $2,500, $2,500 for kids to get toys around Christmas. And of course, when people got a hold of that GoFundMe, uh, as I record here late Monday, late Tuesday, excuse me, over $5 million has been raised. And so uh, I'll close with this. I promise I'll come back out for the next segment a little bit more energetic and enthusiastic. This isn't a yelling and screaming thing. But one thing I always try to do on this show, I'm not a Mr. Everybody is sexist, racist, evil guy. I was raised and I do believe in the spirit of people the spirit of, of all of us. I think most guys and girls out there, we're just doing the best we can, right? We're doing the best to raise our families, to be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be a good son, to be a good daughter. And the human spirit that was shown over the last 24 to 48, whatever the hours are by the time you guys are listening to this, over $5 million raised as I record, it's unbelievable. So obviously from here, we wait on any updates from DeMar Hamlin. We're all praying for him. You don't need me to tell you that but we all hope for a speedy recovery for him. It's not about football at this point. It's just about getting this guy off of the tubes, off of the machines and back to living a productive life. And, and if, if we're fortunate enough for that to happen, I can't even imagine the good that this guy is going to do away from the field. And I hope to have an update like that for you soon. Going to take a quick break. We'll be back. We will have some fun. Jim Harbaugh's flirting hard with the NFL college hoops. Take a quick break. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears. And obviously, look, we, we had the heavy stuff to lead the show. It was important. I'm glad we did it. 
But now it's time to get to some of the stuff that we would normally talk about uh, on a regular Wednesday Aaron Torres pod here in the middle of January. And what I will say about the next topic is this. In life, there are certain things you can just set your calendar to. You know that you turn on the radio basically the day after Halloween straight through New Year's Day. You're getting Christmas music whether you want it or not. You know you show up at the coffee shop. They're trying to shove pumpkin spice lattes down your throat the second that the leaves turn. And in college football, there is one topic that is basically an annual tradition, not only here on Aaron on the Aaron Torres pod, but basically universally across both the college realm and the NFL realm. That topic is that in early January, the second that Michigan's football season ends, you know darn well you are getting Jim Harbaugh to the NFL rumors. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, I'll say this for Jim Harbaugh. He did not wait very long to not even pretend that he is heavily flirting with the NFL. Okay, if you remember this time last year, right after the, the season ends, Michigan makes the college football playoff. Last year, they lose to Georgia. We immediately get reports that he is linked to the Raiders and the Bears. A few weeks later, we find out that he's linked to the Minnesota Vikings. Well, this year, Michigan season ends on Saturday. And with the within the 48 hours after Michigan season ends, we already have, I'm going full on LeBron right now, not one, not two. We have three different reports linking Jim Harbaugh to the NFL, okay? On sun, on Sunday, New Year's Day, right after college football playoff ends, Michigan season ends about 8 p.m. New Year's Eve. By midday Sunday, New Year's Day, we have a report from Pro Football Talk that Jim Harbaugh has been linked to the Denver Broncos and that the Denver Broncos are very much interested in speaking with Jim Harbaugh. From there, we had to wait a full other day until, and oh, by the way, the Broncos may already be late because they want to talk to Jim Harbaugh about their availability. We find out on Tuesday morning that Jim Harbaugh has already spoken to the Carolina Panthers about their opening for their NFL head coach And then the other report came out from The Athletic. I believe it was on the second, right around the Rose Bowl, Penn State's playing Utah. And the report from The Athletic, multiple college football reporters saying that Jim Harbaugh, if he is offered an NFL job, they believe that he would accept it. And oh, by the way, have not even mentioned the Indianapolis Colts, which he has been linked to since they fired uh, uh, Frank Reich back about a month ago. Remember, he has about a 30-year relationship with the Ursay family. So credit Jim Harbaugh. He's not even hiding it. He's not even pretending. And I will tell you this. This one feels real. And if I had to bet money right now, and this is always subject to change, always subject to change. But if I had to bet money right now on January 3rd, 2022 into January 4th, 2023, I do believe that Jim Harbaugh, I hate to say it, But as of right now, I would guess that he has coached his last game at Michigan. And I believe that very much what the athletic report says, that if he is offered an NFL head job, he is probably going to take it. And so, first of all, why do I think that way? And I know there's probably Michigan fans, Torres, you're crazy. Why would you ever say that? Well, a couple of things. One, there are too many good reports out there from too many credible news outlets about this Jim Harbaugh stuff, right? This is not one report off of a message board. Sliced bread says this. Like, this isn't Texas A&M in recruiting, okay? This is three different reports, one from Pro Football Talk, one from The Athletic, one from multiple outlets who cover the Carolina Panthers, 
all basically vaguely saying the same thing. Jim Harbaugh is interested in fill in the blank NFL job. In the case of the PFT report, it's the Broncos. In the case of the Charlotte report, it's the Carolina Panthers. In, in the case of the athletic, it could be any of these jobs. But when you have three different outlets reporting that Jim Harbaugh has interest, I hate to tell you, he has interest beyond that. What I also found interesting was this. If you look at the reporters from The Athletic who wrote their story, Bruce Feldman, college football reporter, Nicole Auerbach, college football reporter, Austin Meek, who covers Michigan. Usually when you see these reports, it's often from the NFL side of things, and often it's the college reporters that are saying it's a little too early, it's a little presumptuous. But the bottom line is when you have college reporters saying that they think he would take a job, if he was offered, I think that sourcing is pretty airtight. One of the guys who has his byline, has his name on that report, is a guy who covers Michigan. He's around that team every day. He's around that program. He's in that athletic department, or he's around the athletic department. He's in the facilities at least a couple times a week. You think he wants to put his name on a report like this that is saying that the Michigan coach is probably going to leave? No. So that, to me, says that there is definitely some credence to this. And what I would also say is I just think we have to kind of go through the timeline of the last probably year to 14, 15 months for Jim Harbaugh. Why I believe this report is accurate. Well, all these reports are accurate. Why I believe it's probably correct is pretty straightforward. I said it a few minutes ago, but this exact same thing happened last year after the Michigan season ended in the playoff against Georgia. If you remember, right away was linked to the bears and the Raiders. And then it was really about end of January into February. It was definitely in February because I remember being in Tucson, Arizona to cover the Arizona UCLA basketball game on the day that Jim Harbaugh flew to Minnesota to interview for the Vikings job. Now he didn't get it. It went to Kevin O'Connell. Who's going to win it. Who did win the division. I don't know if they're going to win in the playoffs, but why I bring it up is because to me, this is the part that makes the most sense to me as to why Jim Harbaugh would be interested. Besides the fact that we have all these reports, you mean to tell me that a year ago, and don't tell me that Jim Harbaugh said this and that he's not interested, he is interested, whatever. You mean to tell me that a year ago, Jim Harbaugh was willing to fly to Minnesota, fly to meet with the Vikings on National Signing Day. All reports indicated that he walked in that building expecting to get an offer and expecting to accept the offer. It didn't end up happening. They didn't give him an offer. He kind of went back to Michigan with his tail between his legs. But you mean to tell me that less than a year ago, he was willing to fly to Minnesota on National Signing Day and that all of a sudden he's not interested in the NFL anymore? I'm sorry, I don't buy it. It just, uh, the timing of everything lines up with these reports. And again, it's why I think he is very seriously considering it and why I do think he will take a job if offered. What's interesting to me, though, and this is kind of more on in line with what I just said a minute ago. What's interesting to me, I do believe that he's interested. But what's more interesting to me is now feels like the time where there is actually interest back. So this is part of why do I think he'll take it? Well, it's for all the reasons that I told you. We have multiple reports. He was ready to take it a year ago. But this year feels different because it appears as though there's definitely some reciprocal interest from the other organizations on the other side. Last year, it's hard to gauge if anybody was actually interested in hiring Jim Harbaugh. 
if you remember, first he was linked to the Raiders. Then you find out Mark Davis, he's kind of big game hunting, wants a name in the NFL. It's established. He gets Josh McDaniels. Then you hear the report about the Bears. Well, he's known the Bears forever, Chicago area. Then we find out that Bill Polian is running that search, and Bill Polian doesn't like Jim Harbaugh or at least has no relationship with him. And then finally, the Minnesota Vikings thing, it was clear they wanted Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell was coaching with the Rams at the time, getting ready for the Super Bowl. So last year, I don't really know that there was interest, but this year it feels like there absolutely is, and with good reason. The Broncos, listen, Broncos are on their second coach in two years with Russell Wilson, who's making two, he's, Russell Wilson's guaranteed 200 plus million dollars over the rest of his contract. And so why the Broncos make sense to me, they need to go with somebody that they know can win with the roster they have. They traded away all their draft picks to get Russell Wilson. They're paying him a fortune. This isn't a tear down and build up. This is a, we got to find a guy that can come in and win. We can't chance it on an assistant coach. We can't chance it on a young guy. We can't chance it on a guy that's never coached at the NFL level, maybe another college coach. We have to go out and get a guy that we know has a proven track record in the NFL and can win with the situation that we have. Carolina, it's almost the exact opposite, okay? They are in complete rebuild mode, but their owner is a very demanding guy, and their owner is very much a guy that wants to win right now. He doesn't want to go through what he just went through with Matt Rule. And so I think he's in the same boat as, as the Broncos. He doesn't have the established quarterback, whether that's a good thing or bad thing because of how Russell Wilson has played this year. The bottom line remains, this is a billionaire that wants to expedite the process. He's another one. He doesn't want to hire the young guy. He doesn't even want to hire a college coach without much NFL experience like Matt Rule. That was the report out of Carolina on Tuesday. They don't want to mess with a guy without NFL experience. They want a guy who comes in and knows how to win in the NFL. That's Jim Harbaugh. And again, I haven't even gotten to the Colts yet, who again, Harbaugh has a relationship for 30 plus years with that organization. He's in the ring of honor in Indianapolis. This is all why I think there's something to this. Because last year, I don't know, even though Jim Harbaugh was interested in those jobs, I don't know that they were interested in him. This year, I think it's much more of a two-way street. Now, in terms of, I think there's one more reason to consider why he would leave, one more reason to consider why he, why he would stay. In terms of why he would leave, I do think part of this is there's mutual interest, clearly from at least one or two of these organizations. I also do wonder, like last year, everybody said, well, he could go out on top. But could he really go out on top? Because at that point, if you remember at this time last year, yeah, you beat Ohio State, but it was so much of the conversations that we're currently having about Ohio State now. Did Michigan really beat them or were they lucky? Did they catch them on the right day, right time, snowstorm, cold weather, flew in the Ohio State locker room, whatever? Well, this year, there's no doubt that Jim Harbaugh, you could criticize the TCU performance, whatever. But there is no doubt that he is leaving the best program in the Big Ten right now. Now, Ohio State may still have some more upside. They're interesting. But this is a back-to-back -back Big Ten champion. And the thing I keep thinking about with Harbaugh specifically, why now might be the time, is because I think we're forgetting one thing about the future of college football, and it's not the NIL, it's not the transfer portal. It's the fact that we're expanding this college football playoff, and it's going to be even harder to win a national championship going forward. I mean, think about everything that Jim Harbaugh had to do just to get Michigan into a four-team playoff where he is currently 0-2, and that's not a criticism. It's hard to get a team to the playoff. Now he's going to get us get, get Michigan back there, and he's going to have to win another game? So now he's not only got to win two games, but he's got to win a third one, maybe a fourth one if you're in the bottom half of that bracket. 
And so that's why, to me, I think there's a lot of coaches that are kind of trying to feel things out right now. Now, there's some lifers like Nick Saban, like Brian Kelly, um, and there's some guys that don't have options. But the guys that have options, I think they're really sitting around saying, this is only getting crazier with NIL, with the portal. Now I got to win one to two more games to win a national title. Think about Jim Harbaugh's path in the future to a national championship. Got to beat Ohio State in the last game of the regular season. Probably going to have to beat them in the final game of the, again in the Big Ten championship game because, again, assume the Big Ten will be different with USC and UCLA. It will be a, a probably the championship game will be the two best teams. So now you might have to beat Ohio State not once but twice. Then you get to the playoff. Then you got to win three games instead of two. And so I think that may be weighing on Jim Harbaugh, at least in his head. Like, have I done everything I can at Michigan? Because now I got to get to a playoff. I got to beat a TCU one week. Then I got to beat a Georgia the next week. And then I still got Bama after that. Or I got to beat a TCU. Then I get Bama. Then I get Ohio State again. And so I think all of this may be weighing on him. But what I will say is this. If you're looking for some sort of silver lining, if you're a Michigan fan, I do think it does make sense from my perspective. Now, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh is going to do, but from my perspective, I do think it makes sense to give it one more run next year. And let me explain why we can criticize JJ McCarthy for his performance in the, in the big uh, college football playoff game against TCU two pick sixes. If he takes care of the football, they probably win that game. What we also can't deny is what I told you the other day about his performance in that game. They fall down 21 to six in any other year in that high leverage of a game. They can't come back. And so JJ McCarthy, we've been waiting for 10 years, basically for Jim Harbaugh to get a really good quarterback in Michigan. And even though he struggled versus TCU, I think this is the best guy that he's had. And I think he gives Harbaugh the best chance to get over that final hump and compete for a championship. So if I was in Harbaugh's inner circle and I wanted him to stay, if I was a Michigan, Michigan man who saw uh, Jim Harbaugh in the street, that is what I'd be telling him. That guy you went to war with on Saturday in Glendale, Arizona, that's a guy I believe, and maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm the only one. You can win a national championship with that guy. Donovan Edwards is a, a true sophomore. He is not draft eligible. He will be back next year. You just killed it in the portal where you brought in three offensive linemen. You can keep this thing rolling. Give it one more run. You get Ohio State in Ann Arbor next year. We talked about it on Monday show. Very advantageous schedule for Michigan again. That would be my sales pitch, but I'm just here to tell you. Bottom line, end of day, end of story is this. You don't have this many credible reports from this many outlets if Jim Harbaugh isn't very seriously considering leaving Michigan. All right, this is what I want to do. Take a quick break, come back, and hit on some of the college hoops over the last couple days. It's been a busy couple days. We'll take a quick break. We're going to discuss it all. That is. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, I have told you all about Betfred. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor, not only of the Aaron Torres pod, all things Aaron Torres media, but also they are the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, nobody does more for their customers 
than Betfred. Everybody tries to tell you, nobody, I love our customers more. Nobody does more for their customers than Betfred. It included this past weekend, sports betting goes legal in the state of, of Ohio. Betfred was there on the ground, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, throwing all day parties, getting you signed up, sports betting in Ohio. Beyond that, as I've told you, VIP tailgates at the Denver Broncos games, first pitch at Colorado Rockies games has been thrown out by Betfred betters. They do more for their betters than anybody. And here's what they're doing for you today. You can bet $50 on any game going forward. La- weekend in the NFL, uh, you know, the, the college football national championship, college basketball, bet 50 on anything, get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. All you got to do, download the app. The offer is available. Tell them Taurus sent you. We love working with Betfred, and you will love betting with them as well. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pickup Challenge. I am, of course, talking about Bracket Phonetics. By now, you know all about Bracket Phonetics. I have been working with them for years, multiple NCAA tournaments this year. Bracket Fanatics decided to get into the NFL space, and they are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. We are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. What do you need to do? How do you need to sign up? How can you take advantage of Bracket Fanatics? Let me tell you right now. All you got to do, go to BracketFanatics.com. Click the tab, join Bracket. The Bracket name is Torres, and here's what happens when you sign up. All you got to do, every single week, pick every single game, on the NFL slate, not against the spread, not over under, just pick every single game. And here's what happens. Winner every single week gets a hundred dollars cash courtesy of bracket fanatics. So bracketfanatics.com, join bracket bracket name Torres, pick the games. Every winner every week gets a hundred dollars cash courtesy of bracket fanatics. And here's the cool part. When the season ends in a few weeks, you can still get a thousand dollar season long cash prize that goes to the ultimate winner courtesy of bracket fanatics not too late to sign up you'll automatically be entered to win the hundred dollar weekly winner all you gotta do bracketfanatics.com join bracket bracket name torres tell them torres sent you bracketfanatics.com okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with a little bit of college hoops because to be blunt, a lot has happened in college basketball since the last time I talked college basketball. Obviously, we really didn't do any hoops on Monday's show. That tends to happen when we're coming off a national uh, a college football playoff with two incredible semifinals. But since I last talked about college hoops on this show, here's just a smattering of things that have happened. Purdue, number one team in the country. They just lost for their first time on Monday. UConn was the number two team in the country. They just lost for the first time on uh, last Saturday. We'll talk about both of those teams. How about the Kentucky Wildcats on a little bit of a win streak after they beat Louisville and LSU? We'll discuss them in a minute. We'll hit on some other results from Tuesday. But before we do, I want to hit on a very random topic that I'm going to be the only one talking about. But hey, that's okay. Sometimes I do this. Sometimes it's okay. And what I want to talk about is something that, frankly, I don't know if I have ever talked about on this show. And that is the St. John's Red Storm. And before all of you sprint to the to your phones to turn off this segment or print, sprint to YouTube to fast forward through, let me first explain why I want to talk about St. John's as they lose again on Tuesday. I actually want to talk about what I think they may do this offseason or should do and who I think should be their next head coach. It's a name that you're very familiar with. And before I get into this, what I, what I do, I, I do want to preface this for people who are new to the show that maybe don't listen every day. I've said this before to the regular listeners, but for those of you who are not regular listeners, here's the bottom line. My job, I believe, on this show is to talk about sports in the context of three different ways we could talk about sports, okay? We talk about the things that have already happened. TCU beat Michigan. Uh, Georgia beat Ohio State. Um, We'll talk about, in a minute, UConn losing to Xavier, Xavier beating UConn. So those are the things that have happened. Then we talk about the things that could happen. Jim Harbaugh could go to the NFL. What does that look like? What makes sense? What doesn't make sense? And then there are the things that should happen. And should is a very specific word. It doesn't mean it's will. It doesn't mean it even could. But in terms of should, yes, it should happen. And I want to talk about St. John's. And I want to talk about St. John's specifically after something that happened Tuesday night at Carneseca Arena, their on-campus arena. And I think that's important. They don't even bother playing at Madison Square Garden anymore because they can't get fans there. But on Tuesday night, St. John's hosted Marquette in a Big East game. They entered the day 1-3 and three in the Big East, 11-4 and four overall. And St. John's jumped out to an early lead. They were up 48-41 to 41 at the half. But because they're coached by Mike Anderson, and listen, I have no personal vendetta against the guy, but he wasn't good at Arkansas. We see the how Arkansas has elevated its program since he left. We knew it wasn't going to work out at St. John's. Well, since we knew since Mike Anderson is coaching this team, we knew it wasn't going to end well for St. John's, despite having a seven point halftime lead. What happens? They immediately come out. They immediately blow the lead. And how about this? They get outscored eighteen points in the second half by Marquette. They give up 96 points total, 55 in the second half, and they lose by double figures. So they're up by seven at the half. They lose by double figures. Do you know how hard that is? Only that is exactly who St. John's is under Mike Anderson, okay? They are not a good team. They are not a good program, and they are not going in the right direction. Since Mike Anderson took over, this is now year four now. This is already year four, as crazy as it sounds. They go 17 and 15 in year one. Okay, that was uh, the season that ended with COVID. 16 and 11 in year two, 17 and 15 year three. 
They are now 11 and five in year four, 2022, 2023, and they are one and four in the Big East. And oh, by the way, it ain't getting any better. They play this weekend at Providence. They then play at, at UConn. They then have Villanova at home, Creighton on the road. So realistically, they are probably at best going to lose four of their next five games and realistically probably start two and eight in Big East play. And so that is the context for St. John's. They are not good. The coach is not the answer. And in this transfer portal era, look at, you know, Dennis Gates at Missouri has Missouri 12 and one coming into tonight. Uh, LSU, even though they lost to Kentucky, they're 10 and two. You can be good quick in the transfer portal era. There's no excuse for Mike Anderson. And so why I bring it up, why I've spent all this time talking about St. John's is for this specific reason. If it doesn't turn around quickly, in year four, under Mike Anderson, I don't believe he deserves another opportunity to come back for year five. And I'm just going to say this. In 2023, it is now the 2023, the calendar year of 2023. I have one simple question. If Mike Anderson does not turn this around, give me one good reason why one man specifically shouldn't be the next head coach at St. John's. I am, of course, talking about Rick Patino at Iona. And so, again, this is a could versus should scenario. I don't know if it could happen, but I think it should happen. And I almost do wonder if it could happen at all. Because the bottom line is St. John's, for whatever reason, seems to be a very risk-averse program for reasons I don't fully understand, right? They've been irrelevant forever. They've been irrelevant essentially since Ron Artest left campus. They've gone through a million head coaches. It never works out. They never find the right guy. It didn't work with Chris Mullen. It's not working with Mike Anderson. It didn't work with all of the other guys before them. And so to me, it almost makes too much sense to bring on Rick Pitino. But again, I don't know if they will because Rick Pitino was available and wanting to work when they hired Mike Anderson. Well, here's why Rick Pitino makes sense for St. John. One, he is in the city of New York right now, okay? I don't know the, the, the distance between New Rochelle where Iona is and Queens or wherever the St. John's campus is, but I'm here to tell you, Rick Pitino it wouldn't be that far of a move. On top of that, it's clear he loves New York City. And it's clear, by the way, he wants to get back to the high major level. Like he's talking right now about how hard it is to play in one of these one-bid leagues, how tough it is, how crazy it is, this and that. And this is a guy who's largely dominated that one-bid league at Iona. Remember two years ago in the COVID year, Iona goes to the NCAA tournament. Last year, it's easy to forget they actually won their league outright um, but they lost to uh, their, their conference was won by a little school called St. Peter's. And so I bring it up because they're dominating their league again. Rick Patino, even in his seventies is on top of his game. He's in New York. And let me add one more thing. The last time that St. John's didn't did have a, 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 an opening for their basketball job. Rick Patino was still very much under NCAA investigation. Well, he isn't anymore. He was cleared by the IARP. He is not serving an NCAA punishment. And I am just telling you, if you are St. John's, it is go time, okay? Because just think about this program, what it was and what it has become. It is a sad, sad, sad situation at St. John's right now, not only under Mike Anderson, but just in general. Do you know St. John's, program that was actually pretty good when I was a kid, had Ron Artest, had a kid named Eric Barkley who was really good. They have not made the Sweet 16. Since 1999, they have not made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in this century. We're now almost a quarter of the way through the century. They have not made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Last time they do it is 1999. And believe it or not, 
in the last 20 years, they've made a grand total of three NCAA tournaments. Well, Rick Pitino comes in. I guarantee you he changes that, especially in the transfer portal era. You cannot tell me, even in the Big East, as good as it is, but even the Big East right now, how good is it, right? UConn's great. Xavier's pretty good. Villanova's going through transition. I think Creighton is starting to figure things out. You bring Rick Pitino into the Big East in the, in the transfer portal era, I'm sorry, but he is winning, and he is winning right away. And more importantly, he brings juice back to a program that needs it. And here's my thing with Patino. We talk all the time about programs. It's quote-unquote good for college whatever. If this program is good, we talked about it in football this year. Is college football better when Tennessee is good? I don't know. I think they are. People criticize me for saying it, but whatever. You can't deny that St. John's being good is good for college basketball. It's good for the East Coast. It's good for the Big East. It's good for the city of New York. And I can only imagine the Garden rocking with just the Garden rocking if Rick Petito was in charge. So that's the point. That's all I want to talk about. We will not talk about St. John's anymore. But I am the first person to say this. I am telling you it's going to pick up steam. I tweeted something small on social media, and it appears as though St. John's fans agree. Because I got a lot of positive feedback. Maybe some St. John's fans discovered who I am because of that tweet. St. John's, you got to make the move. You got to do it. All right, really quickly, some scores from since the last time we talked college hoops. And again, there's not, you know, it's not one of those deals where we're going to spend a ton of time breaking down these games. Because I think the bottom line is, I I think you guys and girls know, this is a topic-driven show. Um, this is not a recap driven show. I should mention, by the way, we do have the college hoops daily with, with Zach Kroll under the Aaron Torres media feed. We have a big announcement coming for that, um, in the next couple of days, but I'm just want to hit on a couple scores and I don't want to kind of over dramatize some of these final scores. And the reason why is pretty straightforward. I'm a person that I feel, let me put it this way. We talk a lot of college football on the show. We talk a lot of college basketball on the show. Okay. And one thing I always say. College basketball is not college football. We don't have to overreact after single individual results. And because of it, I do not want to overreact to too many results. And so here's why I bring it up. Purdue, number one team in the country. They lost on Monday night at home to Rutgers, okay? And I know everybody wants to make a big deal. Is Purdue overrated or are they underrated? I think they're fine. They lost by one point at home to a good Big Ten team that has made back-to-back NCAA tournaments and is very much in position to do the same. Despite the loss, Purdue still sits overall at 13-1 and overall. They lose by one. I'm not going to freak out. And I think the thing that stands out, I watched a little bit of this game. I don't think there was anything that Purdue, like, did terribly wrong that makes me, like, super-duper concerned about them in the bigger picture. They finished the game. They only shoot 39% from the field. I think that was their undoing. Rucker shoots about 44%. Purdue 30% from the from three, but they out-rebound Purdue or out-rebound Rutgers, excuse me. They don't have a ton of turnovers. They don't have a ton of fouls. There's not a huge foul discrepancy. As a matter of fact, they shot 17 more free throws in this game than Rutgers. So I'm not going to freak out. I think Purdue is fine. I don't think it's a big deal. I think they're going to be okay. And oh, by the way, remember, still in great position to win the Big Ten regular season, still in great position to get the number one seed in the South Regional, which goes through Louisville. I am not worried about Purdue. You know, I'm not else not worried about a team that actually plays tonight in a big game. That's my UConn Husky. So UConn on Saturday took their first loss of the season. This is now five days old now. So I don't want to over uh, dramatize it, 
But UConn loses at Xavier, 83 to 73. First of all, credit Sean Miller, right? I've said Sean Miller. You can criticize him. You can like him. You cannot like him, whatever. The guy is a heck of a basketball coach and in year one at Xavier has already turned things around significantly. This isn't one of those other Xavier seasons where they get off to a hot start. This team is legitimate. And what's crazy about Xavier, they're not doing it in the Sean Miller way. They do it with a lot of offense. They're one of the highest scoring teams in college basketball. They actually lead the country in assists. And that's exactly what they did to UConn on Saturday. UConn's one of the best defensive teams in college football or college basketball. Xavier shoots 54% from the field, 31% from three. Uh, there was a late Dan Hurley technical foul that, that you could argue cost UConn the game. From the UConn perspective, I'm just not worried. Xavier's really good. I like their team. I think they have seven guys that are all really good. I think Xavier has a nice rotation of seven guys that can all beat you on any given night, any given play. Against UConn, they had four players who scored at least 15 points Five players who scored in double figures tell you Xavier's a really good team. I think they might be the second best team in the Big East because of it. I am not worried. Speaking of the Big East, and I do just want to mention this in passing because I think it's important. Remember how I told you that Creighton had lost six games in a row to fall to six and six and everybody was freaking out. And I said, wait till they get home. Wait till they get healthy. They've now won three straight games all by double figures. I like this team a lot. They actually go to UConn this week. And I should mention, by the way, UConn has a tough stretch coming up in its own right. After that loss to Xavier, they play at Providence tonight, a place that they've historically struggled. And then they play Creighton at home on Saturday, which is going to be an absolute battle. If UConn goes one and one, even if UConn goes 0 and 2 in that stretch, I am just not worried about this team. Really quickly looking at some other scores. Listen, Kentucky got the win on, on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena, this after beating Louisville on Saturday. I'm not going to go overboard. Kentucky's now 10 and 4. Congratulations. You got a couple power conference wins. We know Louisville is bad, but I'll say this. The LSU win to me is very important. Now, they didn't close out well. They didn't close out strong. It wasn't pretty. Kentucky fans want to be mad about how it looks. Just take the win and move on. Bottom line for Kentucky is a few things. I said it on last Thursday's show after Kentucky lost to Missouri. I said they have to have this game. This is a non-negotiable game for me, in my opinion. This is not a game you can lose. If you lose this game, I find it hard to believe that you're going to be able to win the games necessary to make the NCAA tournament, let alone have success once you get there. But they get the win. They move on. They now play at Alabama on Saturday. Good luck with that. Alabama, I think, might be the best team in the SEC. Tennessee smacked Mississippi State at home on, on Tuesday night. Uh, Tennessee bringing back Josiah Jordan James. I think that is a huge addition. Tennessee's offense just looked completely different with this kid in the game. Um, he had a really good game for Tennessee in his return. He'd been dealing with some injuries, didn't play a ton, but 17 minutes, eight points, four assists. This kid, it could be an X factor for this team. He was a really big part down the stretch last year. And let's give some shout outs to some other teams in college basketball. First of all, Kansas holds on to beat Texas Tech. I want to give credit to Kansas State, okay? Kansas State last year fired Bruce Bruce Weber late in the season. They brought in Jerome Tang, who is a uh, who was a longtime Baylor assistant. They were the worst team in the Big 12 last year by far, okay? And I remember talking to Jerome Tang in the summer, and he told me, "Don't believe the concerns, don't believe the problems. I believe we have a team good enough to make the NCAA tournament." They go to Texas and smack Texas in that game, big win for them. 
they're looking very much like an NCAA tournament team. So credit to Kansas State on a win at Texas. By the way, Pitt potentially could go 4-0 by the time I finish recording this podcast. There's about three minutes left in their game against Virginia. With that said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody a couple things. One, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give me a quick five stars. If you don't mind, it really would help this this audience grow and this channel grow, all that good stuff. On top of that, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Again, I do think important to note, Different show today, but we had to start getting serious again. I think it goes without saying bigger things in sports than just sports. And obviously, again, it goes without saying as well that our thoughts are with DeMar Hamlin. That's all for today's show. Thank you, guys and girls, for your support. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you have fed. We'll be back on Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres sports podcast hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus